welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. And this is a Super Bowl week. I almost feel like, Chris, this is a national holiday. The way we treat our Super Bowl weeks, the preparation, the parties, the anticipation, it's like a Christmas morning. I don't know. Any thoughts out there in Arizona? I mean, I- I'm... It's international holiday. If you watched NFL honors last night, Prince Harry presented the uh, MVP award. So, I mean, football <laughs> is the international language of uh, redheaded stepchildren. A worthless world leader presenting a worthless uh, <laughs> award. All right. Absolutely. That makes sense. We're going to talk about that here at the end. But, right. yeah, interesting. Uh, but, no, I, I'm actually more – there's some bigger news uh, that we have to address before we get to the Super yep. Bowl. Uh, that is um, Mama Kelsey. I am very worried about Mama Kelsey. I learned this week the dire straits that she is in. Let's unpack what's going on here. Mama Kelsey's boy is playing in the Super Bowl, but apparently Super Bowl suites are going for what? A million to two million per? It's Vegas, man. It's such a waste of time. (laughs) Chris, this actually is a real issue. So Travis Kelsey, he makes a lot of money, granted, but still his salary is only like 15 million a year. Should he really have to pay $1 million for his mother to attend the game? That's almost 10% of his salary. Right. I was looking at it earlier in the week. Do you know what a ticket was? How much a ticket cost to go to this Super Bowl right behind me? Super Bowl one. Uh, Interesting. I'm going to go with 15 bucks. To sit... To sit in this picture, by the way, the picture behind me is of Tom Landry on the sidelines. To sit in the first 15 rows of Super Bowl one, it was $12. $12. Now, I will say that was not Super Bowl one if it's Tom Landry, unless it's, he's in the bench. I'm sorry, no. Green uh, Bay Lambeau. Packers. Okay, there sorry, you go. Sorry, not Tom Landry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vince Lombardi. That's that's. There you go. Sorry. Because I apologize. My, my Kansas City Chiefs well, played in that first Super Bowl against right. the Green Bay Packers. I don't quite know right. how it turned out, but hey, we we've, we've won several <laughs> of them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's twelve bucks, really. Yeah, yeah, it was twelve dollars. Was that on StubHub? Uh, because they probably had fees yeah. on top of that. <clears throat> Absolutely, it was it was thirty seven dollars <laughs> with the fees from StubHub. After fees, yeah. <laughs> Freaking ridiculous. But no, I was. It was the most expensive ticket. Right now, not counting the suites, right? Because the suites are a million bucks each, forty-four thousand dollars. Wow! And 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 Travis Kelsey really doesn't have an option right now because you no, know he has to bring his girlfriend Taylor Swift is going to be in a suite. We know that, and there's no way the NFL is not right. going to allow Taylor Swift not to have a suite. I mean, there's going to be Absolutely. so many different pictures. It's great marketing for them. They got a whole new right. fan base. She's not going to be out there amongst the masses. So is Travis Kelsey really going to let his girlfriend have a suite while his mom is out there in the stands? No. It's Why not can't they happen. share a suite? Why can't I, like, right. I mean, Taylor has the 500 K she could pony up for that. And then, but also like, Full stop. Like, why are we justifying the idea that a million dollars for 12 football tickets in a, like, come on. Come on, man. And it's not like these suites um, are just available for them to buy. I mean, I'm assuming these are corporate suites. Now, I would assume some corporation out there is going to say, we want Mama Kelsey and we want a Taylor Swift. Make it a package deal. You can't have... Travis Kelsey's girlfriend and mom not be able and to brother. watch the game to get well who cares about the brother he, but you're right he's going to be there in the right, stands 
it's all part of the personality package, right? It's yes. all, you know, JC Kelsey's going to rip his shirt off and jump out into the Niner fans again. Like the, it's going to happen. So right here, let's do our Vegas bets here. I know we're going to pick the game later on, but yeah. are you going to say uh, yes or no? The the um, Kelsey family, the Kelsey entourage is going uh -huh. to have their own suite. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the easiest money in Vegas. All right. I, I, I tend to agree. I don't care the corporation. They're going to kick out their whatever CFO. Who cares about the CFO or the COO? And they're right. going to just have the CEO and then the Kelsey entourage. So. Easy well, money right you there. See, you've been Joel, you're a you're a traveled man. You've been in one of those suites. They <laughs> they put up the logo of the corporation that owns the suite for that year, right? So you I don't send my CFO. I wouldn't send my COO or CEO. You know who I would send? A photographer. I would send a professional photographer to get Mama Kelsey and Jason Kelsey and Taylor Swift's picture in front of my logo. There you That's go. what I would get. That would be money well spent. I am still Absolutely. floored on how well do you think the comedian of law business is doing that we would have our <laughs> own Super Bowl suite. But hey, you know what? That is great. This, this podcast is brought to you by right. comedian of law. We do CLEs that educate and entertain. And Chris, I am stoked. We got a couple of more signups this last week for our cruise. We are going Heck to yeah. Greece. And I am so stoked about that. This actually is turning to a really great event. And it will be an annual event why mm -hmm. i like to travel and so if i can Absolutely. travel and write it off you know i'm going to do it i'm so stoked about this trip uh but hey maybe we can do a cle at the super bowl one of these years and maybe we can expense one of those million dollar suites Ooh. i don't know hey i want to talk That'd a lot nice. of super bowl but before yeah. we get there there was a lot going on in legal news this week and so donald trump mm -hmm was at Shocking. the Supreme Court. And Chris, we're going to unpack this case. But before we do that, can you and I both give a nice little pat on our backs? I know you are a thousand miles away, but come on. Did we not peg this? Did we not call this? We are like hitting on all cylinders here with this podcast as far as our predictions are concerned. Uh, we nailed the whole you know, will uh, Taylor Swift be able to make it from Japan yep. to the Super Bowl? We did that way back in the early parts of the season. All of a sudden, this last week, everyone was wondering, will Taylor Swift make it? How long is the uh, the, the the plane right. ride? Check out our podcast. We analyze it Nailed in it. about week four. Also, this case, Trump. So here's what happened. By the way, Chris, this is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. And I'm going to explain why after we get done unpacking this case, but I do believe mm -hmm. this is the beginning of the end. All right. So what happened? Well, Colorado, Colorado, uh, their Supreme court decided to boot Donald Trump off of the ballots and keep him from running for president for the next election. Now, what, why did they do that? Well, because after the civil war, the 14th amendment was passed and section three of the 14th amendment says that certain officials uh, in government cannot hold office if they are guilty of, of certain things, including um, uh, the engaging act of insurrection or rebellion against the federal government. Clearly, this right. was referring to the Civil War and the Confederacy, but the thought is, okay, it was passed and ratified. Does it have current day application as well? And if I think if you remember from our podcast, here is what we said. We, we analyzed and we broke down the common legal rule that is used. Chris, I know you learned this in law school. I learned it in law school. It's called 
any stick to beat a dog. <laughs> In other words, they don't care how the dog gets beat. They're going to make sure the dog, I, it's a horrible metaphor. I don't know why this human is saying, but it's like, in other words, we don't care what stick we use. The dog is going to get beat. And here, how does that apply? There is no way the Supreme Court is going to say or going to allow a, a state like Colorado take out one of the, the, the presidential candidates, especially right. when the candidate happens to be the oppositions, because these are Democratic um, you know, uh, state Supreme Court judges there in Colorado, take out the opposition's leading candidate. That's just not going to happen. And so the Supreme Court is going to stop that. The question is, how will the Supreme Court stop that? And that's where I believe we, we pegged it. So, uh, so again, it was the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is what is yep. applicable here. Chris, this is what it says in relevant part. It says that um, no one shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any statute or, or under any state if mm -hmm. that person had previously sworn as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States to support the Constitution but then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the federal government. That is mm -hmm. the actual relevant parts of Section right. 3. That's what they pointed to. Right. And so my take was, I'm interested in your take, is that I am not sure they're going to say this even applies to the president because the the um, the the people who wrote this, clearly they knew about the Office of Presidency. I mean, it wasn't like it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a surprise to them. They mentioned members of Congress specifically in there. Um did they not know? They mentioned electors of the, the presidency. Did they mm -hmm. just accidentally forget to include president of the United States? You know, the single highest, greatest position. Now, I actually found a friend on the Supreme Court during oral argument of this case who agreed with my position. Do you know who that person was? You know, your friends tend to lean to the right. So if you're calling out a new friend, I'm going to go with uh, Justice Katanji Brown? Katanji Brown Jackson. It's Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Uh, yeah, she actually said, I'm not sure this even applies to the position of presidency because yeah. why do they leave them out? They they yeah. clearly knew uh, who you know the position of the presidency. Right. Why do they leave them out? So, hey, Katanji Brown Jackson, we are of like mind, apparently. Uh, all right, so, uh, Chris, what stick do you think this Supreme Court will use? Well, before we get there, are, do you agree with me after oral argument that this is going right. to, the Supreme Court will strike down what the Colorado Supreme Court did? I think you and I were in agreement before oral arguments that the Supreme Court was going to strike this down. Um, there's a couple there couple situations where I think they would not have struck it down. One, if Congress had acted in, and they brought this up, right? I believe it was, it wasn't uh, justice uh, Jackson. It was, was it, was it justy justice Barrett? I think brought it up that if Congress would have had a, a enacted something, some sort of law, then there would be some sort of leg to stand on. This so let me unpack that here real quick, because some people might not, even lawyers might not understand this. Just because you yeah. have a law on the books, like a First Amendment, like a Third right. Third Amendment, we don't even know what the Third Amendment is, the Fourth Amendment. Okay, right, that's not enough to actually go to court to sue someone. Right. You would need what's called enabling legislation that mm -hmm. enables you to sue or use the court system 
to pursue right. that legal remedy. And so that's why we have like section 1983 that allows us to bring you know certain yep. constitutional type of claims. So here in this situation, is there, is this self, uh, you know, um, enforcing, self-executing, or do you need right. enabling legislation to bring lawsuits under the section? Right. So you're pointing out that they're not really there's any no, enabling legislation right. here. Um, right. There's, well, Congress couldn't act to, to save its life, but that's beside the problem. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no mechanism for us to enable this section three on I mean, even members of Congress, even though it calls out members of Congress directly, there's no enabling legislation to do so, right? In fact, because they mentioned Congress, it, some of the justices said, well, maybe that's how this is supposed to work. That right. if someone is voted as the president and that person had engaged in acts of insurrection, then Congress can act to boot them yeah. out afterwards. Right. Well, and I think Congress has the right to act to boot well, I mean, we have the impeachment, right? The impeachment process is a is a way to boot people out for acting as an insurrectionist or for any other reason or political tool as you see fit. Um, but I also think the second part of that is um, states can't willy-nilly enforce the Constitution the way they read it, right? If they could, right, let's, let's take one of the most controversial amendments over the past few years, which is the Second Amendment, states could say, well, the right to keep and bear arms, the first three words are a well-regulated militia. So we're going to regulate what a militia is. We've decided that a militia is the United States Marine Corps. And we don't recognize the Army, the Navy, the Coast Guard, or the Space Force, or the Air Force. So therefore, unless you're a United States Marine, you don't get to have a gun. Right, right. So there's certain things where you want uniformity. You you want a national yeah. application. We also call that equal, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, equal protection. You have equal access mm -hmm. to the laws ac across America. And so there is this thought. It, it was brought out by the justices here that this is a national election. Yeah. We, we can't have these various states mm -hmm. interpreting this rule, this amendment differently. Right. How is that going to lead to a, a unified nation and have a national election? So clearly, this is a matter that needs congressional a congressional Absolutely. direction uh, to right. say how, how should this be applied in this particular situation. Yeah. And I believe it was Roberts who brought out a very interesting point, which is this. If we don't act here, this could be mayhem. Uh, this we opening up a Pandora's box right. because if now he didn't give this as an example, but I'm going to give this as an example. But his example right. was if we allow Colorado to do this, do you really think Colorado is going to be the last state to try this? No, pretty much no. every state out there where the legislature is controlled by one party, they're going to vote to boot out the other side. And pretty soon we're all going to have a handful of states even deciding these elections because that, that, that's what's going to happen. We know how politics works. It's going to just, you know, circle the drain here. And the most relevant example I could think of would be Texas. I mean, it probably would be even the end of this week where Texas would probably pass a, you know, they would vote and they would kick out one Joseph Biden. This one wouldn't even be a stretch because they would say, look, when his administration prevented the state of Texas from defending our border and putting our razor wire out there to defend our border, that was an act of insurrection against the state of Texas. And so therefore they're going, I think they would vote to boot Biden off the ballot there in Texas. I mean, is, it, is this no, you're not wrong texas just is that dumb like just absolutely is that dumb to do it um man it's it 
right? It would be a completely different story if Colorado kicked off their own governor, right? Like if they said as a state, governor, whatever your name is, you you were at the Capitol on January 6th, you committed an act of insurrection, you're not on our ballot anymore, the Supreme Court would kind of have to throw up their hands and go, we don't, we be stupid in your own state. You get to be stupid in your own state. But because it is a national election, that's where the Supreme Court gets to be like, no, this is kind of our territory. This is Congress's territory, and you guys need to start acting in accordance with the Constitution. Yes, I again, I I, the, I think the court definitely was establishing the why. In other words, yeah. this could be mayhem to our political process if we allowed each individual state to do this. Another problem that came up to the Supreme Court is if Colorado ruled one way that, hey, what President Trump did was an act of insurrection, and then another mm-hmm. state ruled the other way, and then another state ruled yet another way, how would the Supreme Court handle all these various states ruling on the same matter saying this is all different you need uniform standards and the supreme court doubted that they could do that in other words their thought then was this is not a matter for the courts when the courts step in to decide who should be on the ballot here we can't enforce this there's no uniform standards therefore maybe we should just stay on the sidelines i wonder if though and let's this now we're into the what if range i'm not saying that this happened let's say that a new york court convicted donald trump of participating in an insurrection right could that be the basis that a state says sorry clearly you could you were you were convicted in a a duly sworn court of law that you were convicted of insurrection you're not on the ballot here that is a good question, and the answer would be no. The state cannot do that, and so you you actually are taking the facts a little bit differently. Let's actually say a state right. did have a criminal right. procedure for insurrection. Uh, I would right. think the Supreme Court is saying no. Even that, this is not a state by state matter. This is we right. need a federal direction on this where everything is done the same. So if there was insurrection, right. and let's just say New York did have a criminal procedure where Trump was found guilty of insurrection, now Congress can. And Congress would say, well, we have this person out there who actually was found guilty of insurrection. And so therefore, this person is now not eligible to run. So there would be some national direction as to that matter. But an individual state cannot boot out a particular person from the ballot. I think that's how this Supreme Court would rule in that matter. What if he was convicted at the federal court level? Uh, I think that's an easier call for Congress then to, to step in. Uh, and then rule. Uh, but right, I think but, this court is basically saying we want to right, see what if it, a national yeah. direction. And so we want right. a congressional act. I think they're going to go down that road of saying this requires right, some right. kind of enabling legislation or enabling act from Congress. So that way it's uniform across the board and the courts can stay out of it. But I, I think that's kind of how the court would go. So one I of bet the. You, I'll put dollars to donuts right now on the Comedian of Law podcast that the 2026 congressional election will turn on this. Interesting. That's what people will campaign on. It'll be an off election year, right? So we'll have Donald Trump or we'll have Joe Biden, whoever's back in office. And one of the parties is going to campaign on words, this very issue. In other words, we're going to pass legislation booting out Donald Trump by saying he acted, he engaged in acts of or, insurrection. Or Joe Biden, right? Or With Joe the, Biden. The, the, the Texas border thing. I bet you this becomes a center a center issue, not like the center, like right, left, center, but I bet you becomes this a paramount issue for either party running um, 
the opposition party. So if Donald Trump gets reelected, I bet you the Democrats run on it. And if Joe Biden gets elected, I bet you the Republicans run on it. Normally, I do not approve of such high stakes gambling. It's one thing to bet your money. It's one <laughs> thing to bet your mortgage payment. But you're saying you're going to bet do- donuts? Yeah. Chris, no, it's now out of That's control. Right. You need to go get it help is. for your problem. All right. Just as uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, mentioned during uh, oral argument, the historical uh, examples uh, in this matter, which is I, I love the history. Whenever you can dig into the history, you go back to the Civil War yep. time. And they picked up a case. It's called the Griffins case, an 1869 wow. decision where Chief Justice Simon Chase, uh, and so he was the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, but apparently he had a side hustle engaging as a lower court uh, judge. And so he was actually Ooh. sitting in a, in a lower court capacity. And in that case, he ruled that Section 3 can only be enforced through laws passed by Congress. So this is not now the media made point to say this, this case is not binding on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, newsflash, no case is binding on the U.S. Supreme right. Court. They can overturn whatever they want, Every, right? This is the Supreme have. Court. But th- is it influential? Is it persuasive? Here in this case, I think the court's going to find this was persuasive uh, because they said, look, this is in 1869. And here they've interpreted this as requiring some kind of congressional enabling act before it was enforced, uh, enforced on. And then Congress, by the way, the very next year in 1870, passed the Enforcement Act with the Griffins case in mind. And so for 155 plus years since then, no state has attempted to to disqualify a federal officer from the ballot under Section uh, 3. Because according to Kavanaugh, there's been a settled understanding that states do not have that power. So if I were going to predict how this case is going to turn out... It's going to be in, along those lines that the states do not have the power to act in this matter. And it, it is a congressional enabling act. Chris, I'm going to put you now on the line and we're not going to bet donuts. We're not that crazy or or carefree with our Come assets. On. Do Come you on. think this is going to be a an eight one decision or a nine zero decision? It's going to be nine zero. OK, I think it's I think it's really clear the role that the Supreme Court's taking. And if you took anybody else right if you pulled donald trump out of it and you put in like governor whitmer or if you put in governor hobbs from arizona or governor newsom or even governor desantis well maybe not ronnie but if you put it or gavin if you put in a random governor governor hobbs of arizona nobody would care this would be a slam dunk case nobody would care nobody would say anything but you put the the center of controversy around the jack wagon then people are going to care and it's going to get news and everybody's going to get up in arms about it because we all have an opinion one way or another on Donald Trump and, you know, split it down the middle, right? 50 hate, 50 love. And so um, any other governor, this would be like a, a taking out the trash decision and everybody would be like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. You know, right. state shouldn't willy nilly throw the governor of Kansas off the ballot. I do agree. I really do hope that it's yeah. 9-0. I think the Supreme Court needs to speak in unison here. Say, look, we are all in agreement that that's not how the processes should work. You should go and vote and vote whoever in office or vote them out of office. But we're not going to let you know the judiciary decide who gets to be put on these ballots. Do not use the judiciary uh, for those purposes. All right. That being said, I did tease at the beginning. This was going to be the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. 
Yeah. One other case I want to throw by there uh, that happened this last week, before I, I get, tell you how, is that there was an appellate court ruling that Donald Trump is not immune from lawsuits that based upon what he did while he was a president. There was this whole there was this this lawsuit against Donald Trump saying his acts regarding the January sixth matter. These yep. were actions that he did while he was president and a president should be absolutely immune from lawsuits from criminal activity whatever based upon his acts while he was a president it's an absolute immunity argument and so the a person asked me well is this was this a right decision or was this a wrong decision try to take politics out of it I think right. it absolutely was the correct decision to mm -hmm. say that Donald Trump was not immune from lawsuits. Now, I do think there is some level of immunity that should be applied here, but it's Absolutely. not absolute immunity um, if he did horrible things. So I, you got to draw a distinction between acts that he did as a president and acts mm -hmm. that he did while president. Absolutely. You go to war as a president. You declare war. It's your presidential powers. You kill people. Right. Acts as a president, that's not murder. While you're president, walking down Pennsylvania Avenue with an AK and mowing people down, that's murder. Yes. Right. Okay. So you can, both can be mutually, the, both can be true in different answers. Act as, acts as a president entering into a treaty that benefits the United States financially. Right. Even if it benefited a country and even have benefited Trump towers by engaging right. in that treaty. So there's some self dealings there. No impeach him for that, but you right. can't sue him for that because those are right. arguably acts done as a as president. president. I, I, I agree. I'm, it's great that you and I both agree on this issue. So right. I know we're going to disagree on this next issue, possibly, Absolutely. which Absolutely. is, I think he should go to court now and he should win that case in that he is not liable uh, for for the acts that he did around January 6th. But I don't think that what he did around the January 6th matter was done as him being a president. These were acts that he did to become the next president, to run to be the next president. It was a campaign Ooh. strategy gone horribly oh, awry, yeah. but it, this was not him acting as a president. In fact, if he had acted That's... as a president, he would have stopped it right away. No, this was really him more trying to run for president, so I think that he is not immune from this, this legal matter. Wow. It kind of hit me there for a second that... My, my brilliance, I get it. It, it happens. Well, no, no, it really... Because we... <laughs> Because if you're looking through the lens of January 6th being a campaign stunt, right? Right. That January 6th was a campaign stunt rather than a attempt at overthrowing the U.S. government by a sitting president. <laughs> now, I as a campaign stunt, right, that opens him up to liability because you could do things as a candidate and as a member of elected body that you could definitely get sued for, right? right. You mismanage right. your funds, exactly. you embezzle, stuff like that. Like you take campaign funds to pay for presidential things or presidential things to pay for campaign things. That, that's, that's a clear violation. But if you classify January 6th as a campaign stunt and rather than, then rather than prosecute Donald Trump as an insurrectionist, and rather 
as a oh man opens up a, a, a horrible I mean, all uh, these pandora's box all these, yeah all these prosecutions now that can go against donald trump not because he was president but because he was the instigation of a riot like this and opens I, a whole new world and i do believe that what you just said there is, is what i would agree i would sign on to that i, I think he was trying to yeah. instigate a riot uh, i think that's what he, yeah. exactly he was doing i mm. call it the redneck convention uh because it was the horrible worst thought out riot uh you know in the history of, of riots possibly right. uh, but uh so here is my my take on this i, I think mm. unfortunately so if you look at donald trump's polling uh and go back to yeah. before these indictments came down he and uh, Ron DeSantis were neck and neck. Trump had a little bit of a lead, but it wasn't a monumental, yep. insurmountable lead. I believe it was less than double digits, like an eight point, right. nine point lead, something like that. Yeah. Seven, eight, something then like that, yeah. the indictments came down and boom, Trump just soared. So the more that Donald Trump stays in the courtroom and he's arguing against and defending against, I think, unjust you know, indictments, unjust criminal pursuits, that's where he is the strongest because it's me against the man. I am standing there. They're coming after you. I am standing in the way. Look, I am being subjected to these, these improper mm -hmm. indictments. That's where he is in his strong spot. Now, if the court takes that away from him and now he has to campaign, go on the campaign trail now <clears throat> and engage in these debates, now arrogant, uh, you know, self-righteous Donald Trump is going to come back. That's the one that we all hate and cannot stand. And I'm afraid we're starting to see more of that Donald Trump. Just this last week, he invited um, Biden to a debate. Now, I know why he did, because <laughs> Biden would not agree to that debate. But like, no. Right. You don't want to debate. You Your poll numbers will drop if you right. debate. They will soar if you stay out of the debate. Just go do your talking. Go to court. The more you, you, you stay in court, I guarantee you your the poll better. numbers will rise. Well, yeah. We've, we, I mean, we've hit on this a bunch of times. The less Donald Trump says, the more powerful he is. And, that, and that's always been his problem, right? Taking like during his presidency, he had to take a victory lap on everything, even when it wasn't a victory. Like, absolutely, Donald Trump's mouth gets him in trouble more than anything else. And I think that the the same cognitive decline that Biden has, Trump has as well. He's seventy eight years old. He's not exactly a spring chicken. And so will that will right. that come out? Chris, you need to run for president. I'll run for president Jeez. because we need someone a little bit younger than, you know, 80 years of age right. running to become the next president. Well, speaking of Biden's poor memory, a very interesting legal development this last week involving his classified documents. Now, there was a special counsel named Robert Hur who was looking into Biden's classified documents. So if you don't remember, he apparently had some really nice cars there in his garage, and he had all these classified yeah. documents strewn all over his great and nice Corvettes and other um, cars. I wish I had those cars. But um, the, the thought has been out there, why are you going after Donald Trump for mishandling of classified documents? documents and not going after Joe Biden because at least theoretically Donald Trump was president of the United States when he took out mm -hmm. these documents Biden was just simply a vice president and would not have had those powers to declassify documents when he took them out of the White House so why would you not go against um, Joe Biden for these classified documents well the special counsel came to this conclusion 
He said that his investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. These materials included marked classified documents about military and foreign policy in Afghanistan and notebooks containing Mr. Biden's handwritten entries about issues of national security and foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. Okay, so if you have this, and he found evidence that Biden had classified documents strewn all over his Corvette, and he disclosed these classified documents to people who did not have proper clearance, that why is there not going to be some kind of criminal proceeding indictment against Joe Biden? Good question. Well, he provided an answer for that, if you will. And the answer is somewhat interesting because this is what the special counsel, Robert Hur said. He described Biden as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. He said it would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness and said that he'd be well into his 80s. In other words, this is an old, well-intentioned grandpa. There is no way a jury would convict grandpa. Also, Chris, is this a great also, he said that there was no intent. He said that there wasn't enough evidence to support intent to do this. Well, he found yes. evidence, though, that it was willfully done. Right. Well, which is which is the weird dichotomy, right? Like, he said, oh, I have all this evidence that he willfully did this, but I have no evidence of intent to do this. I, I, I was reading his report, and look, this does not this is not a good look for Joe Biden. We're going to agree to that. This no, is not a good look for Joe Biden. But what is the worst look? Because I got to tell you, the classified documents... Not the wor- not the problem here. No, no, it's the elderly gentleman that that needs a sponge bath. That's that's the uh, that's the issue. Because this came along in the same week where he had another example of him talking about a conversation he had with a world leader who died this- ten years ago. Right. Well, and then he also misnamed a world leader that was like the president of Egypt was actually the president of Mexico. Like, yeah. Cognitive decline. We're not we're not fighting this one on Joe Biden or Donald Trump. But it was weird because you're reading this report and he did all these willful acts. Willful took it. Willful this. Willfully re- retained. Willful. And then it's like, but he didn't really have the intent to do any of these things. And I'm like, you can't. I can't willfully show up on Joel's podcast without the intent <laughs> to show up and talk about football and how big of an idiot Donald Trump is. It doesn't. You can't willfully do something without intent. So, so how? Now, I'm going to me. I'm going to state a position here, and I want you to walk me off this ledge, or at least talk me oh, out oh, of oh. this. Okay. So, or push you over the edge. I am. I am convinced that this is part of the Democratic playbook to get oh. Michelle Obama on the, the the ballot to be the next president. I, I don't think there's any way Joe Biden could be on the ballot to be the next president. And so I know that he's an old man. And he's, it's like taking right. away his car keys. He's not going to be done without him squawking a little bit. But during the Democratic National Convention, they're going to find some way to take Biden's car keys away from him. Okay. Well, actually, on a real okay. point, I hope they did that a long time ago. I sure hope he's not right. driving out there, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, yeah, this is a metaphor for him being right. on the ballot. They're going to take that away well, from him during the Democratic National football. Convention. So I think that that's a possibility that they could take it away from him from the Democratic National Convention. I, I don't think it's Michelle Obama. Do you understand right. what I, walking me off the ledge means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I... Do I, I think it's Kamala Harris. 
I think it's the sitting VP. I don't think one who's who Michelle Obama would be a fantastic president. Michelle Obama would be amazing. I think Michelle Obama should run for president. I would wholeheartedly jump out of my role here and go back to the campaign trail to get Michelle Obama elected. Absolutely. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. And, and there's a there's a giant narrative that keeps pushing this idea that Michelle Obama should be the next president when you really should be looking at people inside the Democratic Party that know how to raise money. There's no that way Kamala is how Harris. You get elected. There's no way Kamala Harris could win an election even against Donald Trump. Michelle Obama comes De- with um, uh, another person, I believe, part of that that union called Barack Obama, and the American right, public right, right. feels comfortable because they lived eight years. Whether you agreed or disagreed, we went through those eight years, and so there is a certain level of comfort there, right? Uh, and so, and yeah, I know Michelle Obama has never campaigned, so we don't really know what she believes or thinks. She's made statements, but she hasn't been on the campaign trail like a candidate. Is that good for them? Bad for them? Because uh, I, I, I don't know, but it, she does come with Barack but they want their private life like they are i mean they want us they want to watch their kids go to college like i i don't it's it's hard for me to to know the obamas the way that i do for listeners at home i worked at the white house with the the obamas in his first term um and, and i'm not like best friends i'm not like you know it's not chris and barry the same way it's chris and joel over here but I, they don't want it. They don't. And, and maybe they prove me wrong. Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe it's been too many years, maybe whatever, but they never, you know, Michelle never wanted to be president. She never wanted to be, you know, there, there was a talk of her being appointed to the Supreme court. She'd make a great justice. They don't want it. The people who want it, the people that are going to fight for it and that they're going to, you're going to get the Kamala Harris's, you're going to get the Gavin Newsom's, you're going to get these over, I don't know, over the top democratic candidates that want to make big sweeping, big government changes that are ruling the democratic party because they know how to raise money. All right, Chris, and we so, have a donut yeah. store here in town called fluffy fresh. I'm talking Kansas okay. city. Ooh. It is the best donut ever. It is an amazing donut. It's a, it's a guy and his girlfriend who's, he's probably well into his sixties or seventies. And when he is feeling bad, the, the, the shop is closed. There are no other employees. And he has an amazing it. story for why him and his girlfriend got into this donut business. Uh, here's where I'm going with this. I am going to put a donut on the, a fluffy fresh, Ooh. Devil's food to donut Let's on the go. line here for you to, to on this go. next bet. Okay, so we're talking real stuff here. All right, would you take on the Democratic ballot to be the next presidential candidate, okay. um, Joe Biden or the field? Joe Biden. Okay, there you go. I'll bet. I'll put the money on Joe Biden. I'm taking the field. <laughs> All right, field love it. One. I'm going to enjoy right. the life out of that donut. <laughs> it is a really good donut. I'm telling you what, if you ever come to oh. Kansas City, it, Fluffy Fresh is worth there. the trip down there. All right, you know what? It is now time to talk a little football. We mentioned there is a game coming up here, and uh, I've been worthless at work this last couple of weeks. You might be saying, Joel, how's that any different from the other times of the year? Well, trust me, it's a little bit different here. I am trying to listen to these different podcasts and watch these different shows and do my own analysis as to who's going to win the big game. My team... The Kansas City Chiefs, I've followed them my entire life now, well into yes, my fifth decade, is going oh. up against 
Is this your team, the San Francisco 49ers? Absolutely, Joel. Niners all day. Oh, my goodness. So, we, we got who's going to win this game. Now, I got to tell you what's at, at stake here. I don't know if you've actually done the math, but the, the, the most winning team in the history of the NFL, the team who's won the most of Super Bowls, is, it's a tie, you have the Patriots and uh-huh. you have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers at six. Right below that, you have the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers at five. So at stake That's here right. is you guys can join the tippy top of franchises when it comes to NFL champions. And then down right. the, the list a little bit there, go, go past four, down to three, that's where the Kansas City Chiefs reside. So if the Chiefs win this, we now have four. And, man, we are within shouting distance of being the best franchise ever. And we have our <laughs> coaches and our players are still in their prime. So this is a big deal. You're talking about the the right. historical you know, winning stat- status of these franchises. Okay, so so there is some real – there's a lot uh, to this game. Real drama. Real and drama. I want to start with the quarterbacks because I think people are discounting the brilliance of one Brock Purdy. And so last night uh, during the um, uh, the the NFL, NFL award show, uh, apparently you you watched this award show. You were entertained by the NFL choir. That, hey, you know what? The I'm NFL men's choir, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Move aside, Mormon Tabernacle. Get out of <laughs> here. We have the NFL players singing. Uh, so. Um, during that, they, they gave Lamar Jackson, the MVP, a surprise to no one out there that right. Lamar Jackson won the MVP. It was well predicted. Everyone thought they would win in a landslide and win in a landslide. He did. But Chris, the question is, is why did Lamar Jackson win in a landslide over one Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy is getting disrespected. He wasn't even in the top three or four. I think he was down to either the four or five in, in the last yeah. he finished dead last in mvp voting him it, and christian mccaffrey were the bottom two vote getters uh, of the of the top of vote getters i mean it was like he was the bottom of the nfl but you're right of the right, people right, right. there he was the bottom uh, there yeah dead the last. people who were in co- consideration right, right. there there's a clear cut above Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jason Kelsey wasn't going to win. Yeah. Javarius Tony from K- Kansas City is still going to be below him, uh, no matter what right. you say. But all right, let's right, look right. at some of the, st- the statistics here. So Brock Purdy's QBR this year was a 72.7. Oh, by the way, let's also get move. They both quarterbacked highly, highly successful teams. Both of them were at the top of their conferences. Yes. So we got, we got that Absolutely. for both of them. All right. Brock Purdy's QBR, 72.7. Lamar Jackson's QBR, 64.7. Chris, that is 10% lower. That's significant uh, when it comes to QBR ratings. Uh, All right. The quarterback rating, uh, Brock Purdy had 113. Lamar Jackson, 102. Right. I'm surprised he broke 100. How about how about his average completion? So, so it's Let's been go. suggested that Brock Purdy is a game manager. Well, no, I don't okay. really know what that means. We talked in our great podcast last week. We had some great analysis last week when it comes to game managers versus the studs. But the thought is that a game manager isn't a real quarterback. Can't really throw the ball down the field. He just dinks and dunks, right? Okay, his average completion was 9.6 yards. Look at the the stats. That actually is amazing. Uh, Lamar Jackson's average completion, 8.0. 
<laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. He actually catches on passes. Uh, Giselle, right. you can throw it and catch it at the same time. All right. Number, no, mm -hmm. it was 8.0. So give that one to Purdy as well. Now let's look at our touchdowns. Uh, and so Brock Purdy had the 31 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson had 24. Uh, and Brock Purdy did have more interceptions, 11 to Lamar Jackson's seven. These are arguably... If you look at these statistics, they go to the favor of Brock Purdy. But I, yeah. I get the argument that says, well, Lamar Jackson, it, it has decent statistics. I get that as well. So why was it a near unanimous choice? Where is the love for Brock Purdy? There is no love for Brock Purdy. And, um, you know, Sherman Howard nailed it probably, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago where he said that if Brock Purdy would have gone in a second or third round, Right at, at a re respectable position, this hate wouldn't be here. But because he was the last guy in the draft, or even you know worse, undrafted, obviously he can't be good. Because all these scouts and all these GMs and all these coaches and all these people passed up on Brock Purdy, passed and passed and passed. So to say that Brock Purdy is the MVP means to them that they were wrong. Good that point. they should have chosen him much higher in the draft and that all their statistical analysis and all their money ball and all their gut feelings and all their combine and all of that crap that they try to use to test people sometimes gets it wrong. And the fact that, look, there's an, uh, an error rate in every system that we have in the world. And there is always, always, always going to be exceptions to the rule. So just acknowledge that, hey, on this call, we got it wrong. Tom Brady, we got it wrong. He should have been a first-rounder. Well, you we mentioned Tom Brady, so let's analyze Tom Brady. Because I might, Do we not view Tom Brady's second season for the New, right. New England Patriots a little bit differently now that we know he went on to win seven Super Bowls and was arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? But Absolutely. during his second year, we didn't know that. He was no. just some kind of six-round draft pick who probably was going to flame right. out in a couple of years playing for the New England Patriots. Tom Brady's quarterback rating in 2001, this would be his second year playing in the league. Yep. This would be the mm -hmm. year that we had the whole tuck rule where he should have lost to the Oakland Raiders, but because of the Absolutely. tuck rule, which was a fumble that was, wasn't ruled a fumble, they kept possession. They won that game, went on to win the Super Bowl. Albeit through yep. cheating, but whatever. We'll talk about that whatever. some of the time. We're, uh, we're, we're working but, through problems right now. I was, and that was a, this is Tom Brady's second year in the league. His quarterback rating that year was. You ready for this? Yeah. So Brock Purdy's was one thirteen. Lamar Jackson's was one hundred two. Tom Brady's was seventy seven. Right. I know they had ran some different offenses back in those days, but still quite a bit lower than the other quarterbacks. But my point right. here is we looked at Tom Brady differently during that second year. We look at him like, oh, yeah, of course, that's Tom Brady. Yes, he had that last minute drive because that's Tom Brady. And that's what Tom Brady does. Well, we Absolutely. didn't know that in 2001. Let's look at Brock Purdy today. We don't know what Brock Purdy does because he hasn't right. been there yet. This will be his first Super Bowl. Should I, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, be utterly scared that what we are seeing here is Tom Brady, a better version of Tom Brady in Absolutely. his second year? Absolutely. I mean, gosh, the Tom Brady was the 199th pick, right? It, part of my problem 
one is the internet, right? Part of my problem is the internet. We've become so accustomed to the fact that we have these statistics and we have these analytics like at our fingertips that all of a sudden we can predict an entire Brock Purdy career based on two seasons. And that's why we don't award him the MVP. Or for some reason, there's some it factor that Lamar has that Josh Allen doesn't have, or that, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have, even though he has consistent seasons or why in all of God's creation, do we consider Dak Prescott in the discussion for MVP? That is ridiculous. Like, like, it it become like I remember when the MVP award was for the most valuable player. Right now, it's the most valuable storyline. It doesn't matter what your stats are. It doesn't matter what your stat line is. It doesn't matter what you came back from. It doesn't matter what you've overcome. You you mean to tell me that Lamar Jackson's story, right? Let's not even look at stat lines. You're going to tell me that Lamar Jackson's story is more impressive than Brock Purdy's story. Let's look at Lamar Jackson's story because is this a good story or is this an incredibly greedy, selfish story? Chris, I don't know how this one falls, right. but as you pointed out, Lamar, where was Lamar Jackson the last two years? Well, he was injured. Now, for those of you right. listening uh, in your car, I was doing air quotes around the word <laughs> injured because we, what we also know was he did not have a solid contract. It was not a yeah, long-term absolutely. contract, and he wasn't going to play and subject himself to injury right. when he did not have a long-term contract. Part of me kind of feels for him there if he thought he was entitled to a long-term contract. Of course, you have to ask, right. why didn't you get a long-term contract? Were you being too greedy in your demands? That's a whole other story. But all of a sudden, now he signed the long-term contract, and wow, he's healthy. He's an MVP. Chris, should I be praising Lamar Jackson for this no. great year or holding it against him that he dogged the last two years? I'm not. I, praise him, right? Lamar, you had a great year. And Lamar, you're playing the business angle of the NFL. He even said it during his MVP speech that he's glad that he has this new contract so he can perform. <laughs> what? What? During his MVP speech, he brings up the fact that he is so grateful he has such a good contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I, I get like, that aspect. If you don't have a long-term contract in the NFL, you don't want to right. further your injuries. You Look don't want to Baker hurt Mayfield. Baker Mayfield exactly. did not have a long-term contract. He played injured for the, the um, Cleveland Browns. Hey, kudos to you. Yep. He played injured. So then he played mediocre, and the fan base ran him out of town. He barely got help. Finally, finally found a good landing spot this year with Tampa Bay. So I, I get that aspect of it, but why did he not have a long-term contract? Lamar, we're looking at you because of your demand right. for monies that no one else got. And so finally, these other quarterbacks started signing these deals this last offseason, and you just went along with those same kind yeah, of you deals. Were able to, you were not going to be the flagship $400 million quarterback. Get 400 guaranteed, right, which is right. what he was wanting. Exactly. You, you Lamar are not going to be that flagship quarterback. Other people are, right? Jalen Hurts is, right? Pat Mahomes is. Well, Mahomes definitely is. I would put Jalen Hurts in the same right. category because, again, what has right. he done yet? He had one good year. Uh, right. Patrick but Mahomes the city has really of, proven himself over multiple right. years. But the city of Philadelphia felt that he was their franchise quarterback, so they gave him the guaranteed cash. Right? Well, it's, interestingly Burrow, enough, they gave 
Hurts, I believe, whatever number it was, and then that's when yeah. Lamar Jackson got signed almost the very exactly. next day. They gave that's him like exactly one dollar more or whatever, one million dollars right. more. Because so, Lamar is not the flagship quarterback that these historic deals are going to be built on. He's irregular in his play. He is irregular in whether or not MVP Lamar is going to show up or Lamar without a contract is going to show up or injured Lamar is going to show up. Right. There's no, you can't, you can, unlike Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen, you cannot build a franchise on the back of Lamar because there's no consistent play. And I think there's all. a valid argument. And I know the Pat, Patrick Mahomes is different. That's what everyone wants. Well, right. those kind of quarterbacks are extremely, extremely rare. So let's just kind of set them aside, realizing you probably don't have a Patrick Mahomes because there's only been a couple of them throughout the history of the NFL. So outside right. of them, outside of Patrick Mahomes, there is real danger in putting too much money, guaranteed money, in your quarterback spot, especially when you can draft yeah. a Jalen Hurts who plays under a rookie right. contract. You can draft a Brock Purdy, who plays under rookie, you could draft a a Joe Burrows who plays under a rookie contract. C.J. Stroud, you can get these great quarterbacks. And here's the deal: when you sign a rookie quarterback who's under a rookie contract, you now have all this money to build up the talent around this quarterback. Yeah. So you can have a much better team. So Absolutely. really, let's say Brock Purdy who is an amazing quarterback. We, we all see he's going to be the next Tom Brady. We've been talking about that possibly. Right, right. They're paying him $800,000 a year. Exactly. What would you rather have as a GM, a Brock Purdy type of quarterback who you pay 800000 who is surrounded by a ton of talent, Absolutely. or would you rather have a Deshaun, ja Deshaun Watson who you're paying $50-some million to or Dak Prescott and not have the talent? Because I would argue Brock Purdy is a better quarterback today than Dak Prescott. I agree. And one thing that I think we fail to realize from the Tom Brady years in, in New England, Tom took less money so he could have Edelman and Gronk and his offensive weapons, right? right? Tom took less money so that way he could surround himself with Super Bowl champions. I think that's where we get lost in this is because we idolize these guys that get these $275 million, $276 million contract and go, wow. Look how much money they have. Look how much money. Man, they must be worth something. And Tom Brady's over here going, I have six rings and I have countless endorsement deal. Like your money, and this is where I think the NFL players get it wrong. Your money isn't the salary that you get from the team. Your money is the endorsements you get from being a Super Bowl champion. Especially as a QB. I mean, you're, you are marketable Mahomes, as a QB. Mahomes in my auto, right? Like, <laughs> you... Patrick, yeah, Patrick Mahomes getting paid a grip and whatnot, but like Tom Brady makes more money in his TB12 brand, yes, or his endorsement deals for Hertz Rent a Car or whatever than he did as a quarterback because sooner or later your season's going to end. So we've been talking and, about Brock Purdy and and how amazing of a quarterback he is. I'm doing that also for a reason because I don't want to build up my team too much because. <laughs> That, that's just bad karma to do. I like to build right. up the other team, but now I'm going to tear the guy on the Chiefs. I'm going to tear down uh, the other side here just a little bit as we do our Super right. Bowl analysis. Um, Brock Purdy is an amazing quarterback. We've already talked about right. that. He Starting has struggled this year a little mm -hmm. bit against 
AFC team. So if you are a gambler out there, you want to pay attention to these stats because who is he playing this week? Well, the creme of the creme of the AFC teams. So let's look at what Brock Purdy's record was this year against the AFC schedule. So he started off against Pittsburgh. Yes, Pittsburgh is a good AFC team, but not early in the season. They historically start (laughs) the year slow. So he beat Pittsburgh 32-7. I can't take that away from Brock Purdy. It was an AFC team, but still, we all know how Pittsburgh starts the year, so take that with a grain of salt. All right, next on the list was Cleveland. He played in the next AFC team. Do you realize that Cleveland was the first game Brock Purdy lost as a starting quarterback? I don't count his his NFC Championship game last year. That's not his fault. He was injured. So he plays Cleveland. Cleveland has a great defense. They have a great AFC defense, and they lost 19-17. to If you remember that game, that's when Brock Purdy got his team into position to kick the game-winning field goal, and the field goal kicker missed. I don't know if it was wide left, wide right, or blocked, but I do remember it did not go through the uprights. All right, two weeks later, he plays another AFC team, Cincinnati, and he got bullied 31 to 17. He had one TD, two interceptions. By the way, against Cleveland, he had one TD, one interception, a rating of 55.3. Against Cincinnati, a rating of um, 95, so a little bit better rating, QBR of of 53, uh, but he lost 31 to 17. Yep. All right, the very next week, he plays at Jacksonville. A, a a a good AFC team. I will tell you, he's not the best AFC team. They don't really scare a lot of people for their defense, but nonetheless, he beat Jacksonville 34-3. to uh, That was a shellacking in that game. All right, yes, let's fast forward here to the next AFC team that he played. Ah, Baltimore. He lost 33-19, to probably the worst game this year. Zero TDs. Four interceptions with a rating of 42.6 and a QBR of, get this, 7.1. All right, Chris, what do you take of those stats that Brock Purdy has against the AFC defensive squads? I feel like you just want to hurt me, Joel. (laughs) I feel like you're just saying things to make me sad on this Friday morning. Um Yeah, I'm, Brock I'm Purdy's not showing up. Yeah, Brock Purdy doesn't show up sometimes. Well, that's not true. He's in his second season. We don't know, right? He's in his second season. You're, yeah, you can quote me all those negative stats in the entire world against NFC teams, right? Or AFC teams. Do it all day long. We could quote great, great stats against AFC teams. We can do his overall ranking. You know, he had four turnover. He had four interceptions. Four of his eleven interceptions. So a solid twenty-five percent of his interceptions came in one game out of 18. Right. Like it was a bad day. We all have bad days. We have bad and you look at, you know, if I was the sum, if you were to just take all of Chris Marone's bad days, right? And you put them against one common denominator. Yeah, you could say that Chris Marone is a bad person on a rainy day. Or you could say Chris Marone is a bad person when he's hungry. Like let's find let's let's find some common denominators here. Also, look, and, and I'm not saying anything. The Super Bowl is a different animal. The Super Bowl is not Week Seven versus the Chiefs. The Super Bowl is not 
is not it's immense the, pressure. This is right. good. Yeah, this will, will separate the so, men from the boys. And I also look. I, I'm I'm rocking it today. I got my San Francisco swag going. I got the Niners flag up in the office. You know, I'm I'm in it. I'm I'm here. My staff knows that it's 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 San Francisco. It's Super Bowl. You know, Friday here at the office. We're we're all in. It's his second year, and he played really bad against the Lions, and he played really bad, you know, early on in the playoffs. It's, okay, so Chris Moreau, your your brain, not your heart, because I know my heart is a lot different than my brain. Um, what Chiefs. is what is your prediction? Brain is Chiefs. No, brain brain. Do you is know who's Chiefs. a favorite team here by two? The the, the Lions moved the up the now. It was one and a half. Now it's two and a half. Two. The Niners. So the how Niners. could you not pick the Niners? It's experience, right? It is experience. It is momentum. It is all sorts of things. It look. Patrick Mahomes is a NF is a, is a playoff quarterback. I don't care that they went nine and nine or whatever ten and nine, whatever they went in the in the regular season. Right. Patrick Mahomes has been. I here. think it's he eleven knows how to and manage. six officially. Whatever. They should have lost some other games, but <laughs> but Patrick, like, I'm I'm going with brain to say Chiefs are going to win, uh, let me and, just, I'm, and I'm going with heart with Niners, and if Niners win. Right, then I can justify the win in my head, and I can I can hold the win in my heart. But if I hold the the win for the Niners in both the head and the heart, I'm just going to be a ball of unhappiness the entire game, stressed out, freaking out. I got 40 people showing up to my house on Sunday. Wow. I'm making like I'm making like 20 pizzas in my pizza oven. There We're doing 35 pounds of pulled pork. I got look, man. I got to host a party, and I can't be a <laughs> angry elf the entire party. I got to tell you, uh, my prediction, and I'm, I'm really trying to avoid this, but I, I just, mm -hmm. I, I can't avoid it. I, right. Chris, I, I see this as a blowout, and I don't know why I see this as a blowout. I think really? we're going to look back at this game afterwards, and we're going to say, well, of course it, it happened that way, because Brock Purdy is too inexperienced. This is his second year. He struggled against Green Bay, got lucky they dropped mm -hmm. some interceptions. He really struggled right. against Detroit. Detroit, the, the, absolutely. The, the coach of Detroit blew that game like any coach I've ever seen. Uh, and now he's going up against probably what I think is the best defense in the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs. Forget Patrick Mahomes. Um, our defense is stellar. So Brock Purdy is yeah. going to face his absolute toughest test of his life. And this is going to be in the biggest game with all of the distractions. He will have yeah. to be Joe Montana-esque to, to compete and win in this game. Is he the second coming of Joe Montana? That's a really hard uh, thing to say because Joe Montana was one of the greatest of all times. Uh, and so yeah. if he is, then yeah, this is going to be a game. But we, I think it's also easy afterwards to say, no, he's not Joe Montana. Joe Montana was special because, well, he was Joe freaking Montana. And <laughs> not Absolutely. everyone is Joe Montana. And asking Brock Purdy in his second year to go up against that Chiefs defense, just too much. That being said, I, I am trying to talk myself off of a blowout, but I see this game. 24 to 10 Chiefs at the end of the game because Ooh. I think Patrick Mahomes okay. is going to play like Mahomes does in the postseason. He's only had one bad game. Skip Bayless, just shut the heck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Say, oh, we had a horrible game against Tampa. Yeah, that was one bad game with some right. very, very extenuating circumstances that no one outside of Kansas City ever mentions, which was at the beginning of that week. 
at the Kansas City offices, the son of the head coach got drunk, got in a car, went and hit a poor young girl and left her permanently yeah. brain damaged. To say that does not impact a team is stupid. These guys are normal humans. They have hearts. And that definitely impacted that team. And we played distracted because we were distracted and rightfully so, because that was a horrible, stupid thing to do. And now Britt Reed is right. spending time in jail for it. Unfortunately. Right. That Sad being said, that doesn't apply to this game. Patrick Mahomes is a Superman when it comes to the postseason. And I think that they're going to come up with a game plan and they are, they have a surprise because that's what Andy Reid does. I don't know who that surprise is going to be. I do know it's not going to be Travis Kelsey. It's yeah, not yeah. going to be Rice. McKinnon, I thought it was going to be McKinnon, but now they're saying he might be injured and not play. Is Tony going to come in and do a couple of slant routes? I don't know. I do know this. Andy Reid and his staff came up with plays last offseason for this moment. And, and so we're, right. I, 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 we're going to look back on this game and say, well, of course, all the signs were there. I think it's going to be <laughs> 24 to 10. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have six rushing touchdowns. I'm going to go and just put that bet on the line right now. Pat Mahomes. 30 points on his own, killing it. Now, now you're going to say, well, Joel, that's not going to happen. We, we, there's no way the Chiefs are going to win by 14. Okay, I, I get that. I think they are. Uh, and I so how will San Fran win this game? Let's analyze it through that the, through those lens. Ooh, All right. Here's how San Fran wins this game. Number one, the Chiefs receivers get the drops and drops. We, we, Absolutely. we saw this all year it's it's coming to roost now in the biggest game they're gonna get yep. the drops i just struggled to identify a third receiver because there's no obvious third there's receiver no, on the there's team no third receiver no right so the the niners win a couple of ways right you get bosa and young to put a lot of pressure on those outside wings young is force, key Right, that forced Travis Kelsey to stay on the line and stay blocking so that way he can't get open. That's yes. that's the first key, right? Then you keep our safeties going back with um why can't I think of Troy Palomalo's protege right now on the Niners? The name escapes me. Anyways, um so you keep Not the that various guy ward. No, 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 no. It's the it's the Samoan guy that Troy okay. Palomalo is um mentoring. Um so you keep that guy floating in the back to to hold Rice to where it's at, and then if you keep a couple middle linebackers going, you can stop the run game. The thing that the Niners are going to have to do is incredibly well. They're going to have to collapse the pocket on almost every play to force Mahomes into a scramble mode. Yes. Now Mahomes is great on the scramble, but you can't you can't scramble every time. That's going to use up a lot of Mahomes' energy. He's gonna he's gonna have to be thinking constantly. It's going to wear him out by the second half. Have you seen his uh, dad bot? He will run out of energy. He's not a... <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to run out of energy. So then you're going to have to make sure that you keep your offensive weapons kind of contained until you've ran Mahomes ragged. So then you're going to have to make sure that Debo, CMC, Ayuk, Kettle, you're going to keep all of those guys on a, on a rotation so you're not going to one of them too often. You don't want to keep pushing CMC through the middle of the defense or Debo through the middle of the Kansas City defense. You're going to want to keep him out on the wings, maybe some short screen passes or some option plays, and then every once in a while go to Kittle over the middle so he can get the, the yards advanced. The Niners have to play grinding football. It is not long passes and, um, and um, quick touchdowns. They're going to grind. It's going to be a clock game for the Niners to control to keep the Kansas City defense out there as much as humanly possible. 
Then let me uh, just give you one caution, Chris, because I know you're gonna it's gonna happen to you and you're good friends. So I don't want you to be too forlorn <laughs> here. But when we lose, it is highly possible San Fran jumps out to a 14-0 lead, 10-0 lead. Oh, it is highly possible because absolutely. Spags, our defensive coordinator, is a genius. But part of his part of his genius is second half adjustments. Teams have yes. been able to score on us early, and then he makes the adjustments late. And so don't be surprised if your team jumps out to a 10-0 lead. I think that's almost intentional on the Chiefs part because they don't want us getting overconfident. And if we do jump out to the big lead, I am worried because you know who else jumped out to a big lead against San Fran? Let's see. That would be Green Bay Detroit. and that would be Detroit. Yeah. Both well, sitting at home right now. Absolutely. But I think this is where the experience is going to play into a factor, right? Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs understand that there are four quarters in this game. Whereas Brock Purdy may go out there and just light it up for two and then get lit up for two. Right. And right so, so here's my second bold prediction for the, the week. Uh, my first bold prediction is what I really do believe. And that is the chiefs are going to win to 24 to 10 and Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. will get his third MVP. If, that doesn't happen. I'm trying to look through the lens the other direction. Okay. I think the MVP is going to be Chase Young. I think this Ooh. is going to be one of those games where you look back at someone's okay. career and you say, I didn't see that coming. We knew he had talent. I mean, what was he, a number one draft pick? An amazing yeah. defensive end, Absolutely. right? He Absolutely. knows how to apply the Ohio pressure. State. He's yep. played in big games, and he's been somewhat lackluster this year. I think this is his moment. He is going right. to – we are not going to have an answer for him. He's going to disrupt our offensive game flow with a couple of sacks and or at least hurries of Patrick Mahomes. Right. And so that's going to be the game changer, right, that we are not going to have an answer for Chase Young. And so he's going to get the MVP, of course, with a Niners win. I love it. That's my second I that. pick. I could see that. I could see Chase Young really disrupting the, the Kansas City Chiefs cadence and their play. If you sack or you hustle Mahomes four or five times right off the bat, you're going to have Mahomes looking over his shoulder the entire game. So you got to set that soon. Now I'm assuming you're, you're a Niners fan. You might know this more than I would, but I'm assuming Chase Young and Bosa, they can switch up where they want to be on the line. Yep. So, and they I, did that at Ohio state as well. When they played together, it, it's not going to shock anyone when they're going to gang up on our right tackle Taylor. Taylor has been much maligned this year for his false mm -hmm. starts. You're going to see some false starts there. If I yes, were the, the 49ers, I would be targeting Taylor for that. The holding and the false starts that's going to get in his head. That's going to get in Mahomes' head. Like, here we go again. Taylor doesn't know how to anticipate a snap count. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think if the 49ers win, it's going to be because of, of Chase Young and their, their, their two ends. Absolutely. And God willing, and the creek don't rise. <laughs> Well, this will be a very different podcast next week. There you go. Hey, it will be a fun podcast. Either I'm already to the point where I'm going to be happy either way. We've won so many times recently where I'm like, yeah, I can see why the rest of the nation hates the Chiefs. I, I get it because I hated the Patriots. I hate Alabama. Yep. I can see it. So yep. I'm pretty happy no matter which way we go. And you know what the best part about Super Bowl is, Joel? Mama Kelsey. Pitchers and catch no, no, no. Pitchers and catchers report to spring training just this Thursday after Super Bowl. Oh, man. Baseball is right around the corner. We didn't even talk Absolutely. about the Royals' amazing contract. Did you follow that this last week? The Royals? The Kansas City Royals, the number one yep. minor league baseball team out there. We yep. signed 
Our um uh oh I forget the guy's name. Uh our Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford. No, uh, who did we sign this last week? Um our our oh my goodness, how could I not remember his name? Uh sign him to like a a $250, $300 million contract, an amazing contract we signed to our star player. Very much unlike Bobby Kansas. Witt Bobby Jr. Witt Jr. There you go. I have his bobblehead doll over right behind 11 me. Years. How, yep. I have his bobblehead right here. How did I forget Bobby Witt Jr.'s I, name? I don't know. You're you're the guy from Kansas City. Yeah. That's your um, bad. I cannot believe the Royals. And in baseball, of course, that's guaranteed money. Right. How, where, where did you guys get $288 million? Uh, You know what? I, uh, they, they, I, I pointed up. Exactly. I'm oh, not... you did? Oh, okay. Is that part of the comedian of law budget package? Exactly. Are you throwing out the first pitch now because you gave so much money? I uh, I am going to opening day. It's going to be it's going to be a great game. And I got my Royals uh, hoodie this last week. My wife bought for me, so I am good to go. Hey, you're right, though. Mm-hmm. That is going to be next week's podcast as we focus on the Royals and the San Francisco uh, Giants season. Yeah. You know, this upcoming year. So it's going to be a lot of fun for baseball, but we have a game to play first. That's right. And so we will have a lot of fun on Sunday. All right, Chris, have a great Super Bowl, though not too great. And we'll talk to you (laughs) next week. We'll see you, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tribe. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.